You know what I find really, really, really annoying? No, what? Me. About being a woman today, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the mad. This is Best Friends Talking. Oh and, yeah! You know that's the worst thing. If you start getting annoyed by yourself, because then you have a problem. You can't really avoid yourself. So, is it you that find yourself annoying, or is it that other people? I've given you this sort of subtle or not so subtle feedback. No, it's totally me. It's just me. What is it? Please share to the psychologist. It's my attitude. I think I need to just stop whining so much and get my head out of the butt, basically. <laughs> so what is it that you're whining about? I don't know. I think when you're pregnant, you can become a little bit like this whining, oh, everything. So, oh, oh no, oh, it's so much hassle and you get like annoyed easily and you get emotional and you're like I feel like I should be more grateful for being pregnant first of all I mean I think what's happened is that I actually lately I've been starting to feel a little bit more grateful for my life and then I realize that I'm whining if you're in this total state of just whining and being in a bad mood then you don't realize that you're whining because I, so I think I'm going out of it so I think it's a good thing actually when you start getting annoyed by yourself you need to do something about it otherwise it's unlivable yeah of course but but i mean there's an important point here which you're saying that you're actually noticing it and i think you know there's plenty of research that say that gratitude practices or just focusing on what you're grateful for is really helpful uh, to get you in a or shift your mindset which is awesome uh, and then you know what you're saying is that it also helps you to be aware of what you call the whining mindset you know uh, so that's that's really good I think but then I also like to um, to emphasize for people like sometimes it's okay to uh, be in that other mode you know when you're complaining or you're whining as long as you're aware of it and also kind of investigate like why why do you feel like that and I think for you it's like it's super you're in your third trimester you it's fine you are allowed to complain <laughs> yes I am complaining so don't worry about that okay what is it that you're complaining about then? Anything. Now I feel like being a positive person, being grateful for things and being like, yeah, let's go. You know, what, don't, what, those people. You're going to be like one of those people? I'm going to strive towards that, more to that side. You know what I find annoying? No. Those people. I really cannot stand people <laughs> that are like urging to be so effing positive. Please don't. It's more important that you are <laughs> congruent within what's happening on the inside of you. And I think it's for a lot of people, that's what causing uh, difficulty because, you know, you feel something alive in you. Like you say, you feel that you, what is alive is this, like you want to complain about stuff, but then you're kind of forcing yourself to another mindset when that's not really how you feel. That's not good either. You know, that's not going to help you because, you know, why is it that you want to feel not whining and complaining 
that's more interesting to ask. Like, why do you not want to feel that? I think I'm ready to not be pregnant. I try to look forward. But basically, you're just really fed up with being pregnant. Although I'm fed up, I think I'm starting to see the light of the tunnel. That's what happened now. How to get sexy in a flash. We all know when you're having small babies or you have a busy job, it's hard to find time to really get sexy. You remember those times before you had a baby where you could stay in the bathroom for an hour and get ready before like date night? I do. And you know what? After having children, like I remember when the children were really small, like one of my biggest like <laughs> struggles was actually would I have time enough to brush my hair for example in the morning or I mean that very often went that was not a priority and um, you know find your clothes put on some clothes get out of the door do your thing you know and it just like yeah you just get different priorities of course but then also kind of annoying because yeah it's nice to have some time to um, have a nice long shower alone wash your hair and brush the hair yeah totally yeah so uh and i think it's important to take a few moments for yourself as much as you can but when you don't have that time i start i try to like find some some tips and uh, put up a list on how you can uh, still get sexy in just one minute yeah here goes number one jump up and down for one minute get short of breath <laughs> sexy <laughs> what <laughs> is that true i think if you are short of breath you know like short of breath that's kind of sexy is it <laughs> okay <laughs> well i really I love this initiative Maria. and um uh, i guess <laughs> you know i have never tried that i will try i will try that <laughs> please try it and then Report back to me how your husband responded. Absolutely. I will do that. So is he going to watch when I jump up and down or? No, no, no. You need one minute to yourself. So that's when you jump up and down and then you come in and you're like <laughs> breathing and you see how it works. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I so didn't expect that. Thank you for that one. That really made my day. <laughs> now on to the next point. Number two. Slap your face on the cheeks. Get flushed. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> okay. I didn't think that either. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> okay. I apparently am very... <laughs> I, I have not understood what it means <laughs> to get into the sex group before. <laughs> I mean, I might be on the wrong track here, but... Just hear me out. You get red cheeks. And that's like, you know, in those old movies? Yeah. They always pinch their cheeks to get red because they get flushed. You look fresh. Yes. <laughs> you look fresh. Yes. And you, we all know any sensations of Frenchness is, of course, very sexy. So, yeah. Okay. Got it. Number three. Rub your head towards the sofa. Get bedhead. <laughs> sexy. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm dying here. I'm dying. Bedhead? 
So these kind of tips are all very easy to accomplish, you know? Does does this mean that you feel sexy when you have bad head or is it that your husband find you sexy with the <laughs> with the bad head? Yeah, it's probably more the latter. Um okay, so then that whole thing with brushing the hair kind of totally falls through. No, I think I still think it's good to brush the hair in the morning because you don't like big lumps in your hair. It's just getting like a volume and getting a bit of a messy hair. Yeah. We're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. So mm-hmm. number four, smudge a lot of mascara on. So it looks like a big smoky eye-ish. Yeah, that's that's important. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot of time to do that. Just put a lot on and then if it gets a little bit smudged, that's fine because it is even better. Yeah. So sexy. And number five, close your eyes and think and say to yourself, I am sexy. I am so sexy. <laughs> I am sexy. Say it again and again. And then imagine yourself being sexy. Right. So it's like a mantra you're going to say. Yes. And then you imagine yourself moving around like a sexy person. <laughs> and then you open your eyes and you go into that character. Because I think being sexy is a lot about your mindset. Yeah, of course it is. If you think you're sexy, you automatically increase your sexiness by at least 50 points. <laughs> On a scale of? a 100. Okay. I mean, I love the originality here. You know, I really appreciate that, Maria. That was great. And uh, But it's all about getting back into your body, you know, and that's really helpful feeling your body get back into your body uh, and in this given moment you're in uh, and then you are much more accessible of course also for your to connect with your partner so that makes a lot of sense i had some other stuff on the list which wasn't quite along the same line but please okay so how to get sexy in the flesh i was like the first thing i have is like wash your hair i agree but i think your point was also valid you know but I think I agree because I know for myself, I feel so much better if I get to wash my hair. Because that's one of the things that goes out the window when you become a mom. Right. And you don't have time yeah. for it. And you just feel so dirty and gross when you don't get to wash your hair. And it's just so nice. You feel so nice when you have done it. So just that in itself, even if it, maybe other people don't even see the difference. But for yourself, it's just such a nice feeling. So that makes you feel good. And feeling good is essential. That's a top priority when you want to feel sexy. So if there's like, if there's only one thing you can do, wash your hair. That's like, it's always going to make you feel yeah. good. Yeah. And then I put number two, put on nice underwear. That's also very helpful. Another thing that yeah. goes out of the window with babies. So yeah, we welcome it. We welcome it. So therefore to all the husbands and partners out there, just keep buying nice underwear for presents you know like that is never going out of the window just keep doing mm-hmm. that that's a like a classic always good number three to feel sexy which is also something that really it's not something you do when you have small children but wearing heels that's so true i miss them i put them on sometimes if i'm going for a dinner or something but it doesn't even look good when you're pregnant almost but yeah yeah I do miss them. I almost forgot how to walk in high heels. But, you know, when you're going around with a stroller, it doesn't look good. It's no point. No, that looks ridiculous. It feels ridiculous also. So that's out of the window. But you don't need to feel sexy when you're walking around with a stroller. And then number four, how to feel sexy in a flash, dancing. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, you felt that mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. So that's also about that thing of going back into the body. What kind of music do you think is best? R&B, 90s, 2000s R&B, always. Usher. Oh, okay. Jodeci. Yeah, no, that's no, 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 taking it too far. Sorry. Anything that you can move to, yeah. right? That's that's what I say. And then number five, how to get sexy in a flash. It's a little bit along the same line that you had with the mascara, but I say eyeliner. Eyeliner is always a friend. It's always a good friend, and it has an instant effect on men. then I guess a major question on this is like how are you gonna get time even though it's how to get sexy in a flash but how do you get time to do these things the one number one thing that you lose when you have a baby is sleep of course sleep is number one so that's that's the first thing but then secondly it's alone time you never yes. you never have alone time no the sleeping thing kind of settles after the baby phase of course it goes ups and downs but it it settles pretty well, but the alone time situation, I don't think it settles until, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> Never. So actually, yeah, what you're saying, the sleep deprivation is like goes on definitely through infancy, but it depends on the child. You know, sometimes it goes on, I think for our second, it was, you know, when he was two and a half, three, that was when, you know, he was not getting up in the night or calling for us in the night. After that, they are so big, so they come into us in the night. But that at least, you know, we don't have to get up and get out of our bed. Uh, about a long time. Well, I, you know what? I, I uh, sometimes I go into the bathroom and I lay on the bathroom floor for a while. That was my first tip. Like I, I was going to make a long list of 10 points. I only found one point that I was like, lock yourself in the bathroom. What I, before becoming a mom, you know, I didn't think so much through this part. I have to say, you know, there's a lot of things you can be aware of, but the extent to how much or how little alone time you get. And this is, of course, also very variable what kind of person you are. You know, if you are more introverted or you feel, you know, you enjoy silent time, quiet time. And I think you and I, we both do that, you know. So when you don't have that, that kind of depletes you to a certain extent. And I actually, you know, I, I talk to a lot of my, my patients about this as well. Like it's it's fine to kind of grieve the fact that you don't have that anymore. You know, it's it's fine to feel that that's something missing and that's it feels hard or challenging to to need to lock yourself in the bathroom to have just some moments by yourself. Of course, of course, it's worth it. I mean, we, we chose to have children. We want to have their, you know, really enriching our lives in so many ways. But it's just that, like, you know, can I get five minutes, please? Like, please? Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but, but you know, another thing is that, which I also talk a lot about with my patients and, and students, is that um, the fact of setting boundaries and, being clear about that you need that alone time for a lot of people surprisingly for most people is that it's it's so hard and for a lot of people they don't even know what they need you know or or that they have those boundaries like like I need to have alone time and being able to ask for it you know from your partner and I mean you can't ask it from your child but you know yeah no but I think it's good when the child becomes a little bit older I think you can you can say that 
Okay, now mommy's gonna read this book for five minutes and don't disturb me. I'm gonna be in here. I think that's just good for the children to learn that, okay, we don't disturb her right now. It's mm-hmm. That's a good lesson for them to learn because then they can do something of their own. But when they're little, it's not so easy for them to understand those kind of things. They need to be, I don't know, at least probably three or four. Yeah, something like that. You know, when they're able to sit by themselves and play a little bit and, and you know, that's that's really good. And it's fantastic modeling for, for them to see that their mother is also like, okay, now I'm going to be focused on something else for a moment. You know, I'm here, but I'm just going to do this thing. So, yeah, I think it's good because then you're teaching them that it's okay to prioritize yourself and your own needs. Absolutely. I think that's why it's also nice to sometimes get a babysitter and go out, you know, the mom and dad or the mom or to leave them with a babysitter or the grandparents or someone. Because then you're also showing them that you have a life and you do fun things. Yeah, I mean, everything we do, you know, in front of our children is really modeling a way of how to live the life. And that's going to probably, you know, that's programming them deeply. Um, and, you know, that's that's one of the first tool sets and strategies that they will bring with them in in their life you know so but as mothers I think you know we are very reluctant to to do that because we have this innate you know there's this instinct of wanting to be present for our offspring and our children and you know we we yeah it's not so strange you know and that's it's normal that you will go over your boundaries or not be be clear about your boundaries in that sense or knowing what you need yeah you have that instinct that you want to be with them you don't want to miss out on anything and you feel bad very easily if they want you to stay with them you don't want to leave them feels wrong Are you in Amsterdam right now? Yes, I'm in Amsterdam and what do you know it's more cold here than in Buda. Really? Can you believe it? Like Dutchies, it's like, it's so humid here. So like yesterday I had to wear two coats. I mean, I don't even do that in Buda. In Buda, we have a lot of snow. It's cold. It was like minus four degrees actually when I left. But still I come here and it's like, whoa. In Buda, it's dry air. So I think it doesn't feel that cold. It's In Buda, it's the wind that makes it feel cold. Yeah, but when it's windy, we're inside. You know, we don't really go out in you don't go out in the wind? That's that's impossible. <laughs> no, it's stormy. I mean, it was stormy the other night. That was a big storm. But it was fine, you know. We were inside, so it was cozy. Yeah, we just had the election here. Yeah. It went really well for Boris Johnson. So now he's the new... I mean, not the new. He's still the prime minister. <laughs> well, I'm glad you don't have to move. I'm coming to visit you, so... Yeah. So now we just need to find a home. We're homeless from January 17th. Looking forward to finding a new house. You don't have a house yet. Still don't have a house. We found a house and then we we thought we got it and we were so happy. And then they changed. They were like, no, sorry, you don't get it anyway. Because the one who's living there now is going to stay longer. And we're like, oh. That Jesus. really sucks. Yes. But then the good thing is that you still get to look for a perfect place to live, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be like that. What's going to happen is we're going to find something. Now it's just we're getting more and more desperate. So we just need to find something. So we don't like it when there's like one super long stairs because that's really dangerous if you fall there Yeah. for the kids. So we try to find something with 
a lot of shorts there, so you know, and they go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I get you that. You know all about this. I remember that from, um, I remember that from, uh, from Amsterdam. When we lived here with the children, we lived here for about one and a half year with the children. We had this amazing house. I mean, you were there, right? Yes. Very cool house from the 16th or 17th century, which was like renovated. And um, but there was those stairs inside. So there was like four floors. So it was a huge house in that sense, Amsterdam standard, but those stairs were ridiculously dangerous. And we had, oh, you don't even want to think about it. We had some falls and it was bad. And it was just, oh, I can still feel it in my belly. It was like, so it's so hard. So you, yeah, you really, you know, when you have such small children, you want to have at least a house where you can enter without needing to take a lot of stairs and just go into the main living area. It's high priority. I get it. Yeah, another thing here that I find really strange, the houses, is that it's very common here that you come in and you have their living room in the ground floor. Yeah. And then you have to go down to the kitchen. Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't understand why it's like that. Yeah, shall we do a poll? <laughs> why is it like that, Europe? Why do you want to have a kitchen in the basement or downstairs like why doesn't make any sense no because like i guess if if there was like older houses there was like back in the days when they had like servants and shit sorry there was the shit yeah this the the help they were down in the kitchen and they were eating down in the kitchen and they brought the food up to the nice living room yeah that's probably what happened yeah you're right or maybe it was colder downstairs so they kept the food down there oh many good hypotheses here Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, the main message here is like for us Norwegians, like we don't like having the kitchen downstairs, okay? We don't like it. No, I just think it it creates this basement feeling, which is never good. We also have the silverfish here in this house. no. That's the only good thing about it that we have to move is we have silverfish problem. Mm -hmm. So we just want to do anything to not bring the silverfish along to the next house. So we're going to send all the carpets to cleaning and then don't bring them back here. Just pick when they come back from cleaning, we're going to take them directly to the new house. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a lot of things. And please, you guys, if you have any tips on how to get rid of the silverfish. But it's challenging. I mean, houses in Europe, the standards of the, the houses are so, especially if you are, you know, the, the floors uh, that are underground, like the it's like it's it's impossible to not get silverfish or or bugs like that you know it's like they're everywhere and it's also very humid in the houses so it's like it's kind of you know they live in the materials in the walls and stuff like that so i think they do yeah so it's almost impossible and i think in london and amsterdam they are both humid cities i feel like it's very humid both places you can see it when you're walking outside here you see it on the ground it's like mold green mold everywhere yeah on the streets and on the houses, like the stone houses, they're covered in green mold. It's like it's very moldy and, and wet. Mm. And it's the same feeling in Amsterdam. Absolutely. I mean, both cities are amazing and they have their charms, but that's not one of the high points. No. Better just move up in the mountains and start drinking directly Absolutely. from the source. You know, just, you know, we can all move to the north of Norway. I mean, the north of Norway is so, you know, spacious you could just all live in the mountains. There are a lot of lakes there, you know. It's like easy peasy, you know. Yeah, it's not so easy peasy when it's super cold and the mountains live there. But hey, I think there'll be some casualties. <laughs> a few. Survival of the fittest. Absolutely. 
like everything in this life, isn't it? You know, you notice what you appreciate um, in different ways when you have this experience of living in different countries. And um, I think that's really good, you know. It's very interesting to live in different countries and experience different ways of living and the slightest changes in culture because I've never lived like a super exotic place. I've lived in Hawaii and France and Norway and England. And it's I've never had a culture shock because Americans are pretty easy to get along with. British people are super easy to get along with. The French are definitely more tricky. But still, it's not a culture shock. They're just a little bit... It's kind of hard to, to get to know them because they don't let people in so easily and they're kind of similar to Norwegians in a way of being, but for different reasons, I think. Yeah. Should we dive into that to another podcast? Cultural differences or how it is to be a Norwegian in this world? Next time, we can talk about typical. what's typical Norwegian. So if anyone has things they want us to share, what's typical Norwegian? You can just PM us on uh, Facebook or Instagram. We are both on Instagram and Facebook as Best Friends Talking. Ask us questions. We will answer it all. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Toodles. Toodles.